When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ah, good afternoon, Josh Jenkins and Bryce McGain in. It's a new combo. Uh, There's been plenty over the past uh, week or so, but uh, we're looking forward to taking you all the way through the evening. It's been a big uh, weekend of sport, a massive weekend of sport, and we want to hear all about it. one 736 736 off the top. It's been absolutely huge from the uh, glory of the World Cup final and everything that that was this morning in the early hours Argentina claiming the trophy through to the ugliness and the nonsense that we saw uh, on Saturday night. There's been some NBL action. We had a test match, which lasted all of two days, which Bryce McGain is the reason we sit in this chair because we were on standby for day five and day four, but little did we know that we wouldn't even make it to day three. Good afternoon to you, JJ. And you're absolutely right. Here we were thinking, yeah, well, we might be a chance for day five. (laughs) But when I did look at the pitch early on at the Gabba, it was one of the green monsters. And as a Sheffield Shield player, first-class player, and travelling up there, and Victoria used to play Queensland at the beginning of each season. Mm. It was generally the first game. So you go up there. We've spent the whole winter indoors. It's freezing cold. Then you go up there, and you see this wicket, and you're going, how on earth are we going to play on that? It's interesting that the test wicket was always beautiful up there, Mm. but they've they've seemed to muck up the schedule somehow. It's a first-class wicket, and... She was over in two days and uh, some amazing cricket being played. I don't mind the fact that it was that type of game, mm. that the bowlers had every opportunity to be on top. I don't mind that sometimes. I'm quite happy mm. to have my cricket that way. I don't. It doesn't have to be a flat road for me to enjoy it. And uh, for me, it was quite good. So hence we're here, day three of the test match. And, uh, well, we get to share an afternoon with everyone out there as well. Indeed. So uh, we've got a jam-packed show as well. SEN football commentator Jordan Canellis, he, I'll tell you what, he might have just put an extra zero on his next contract with his work calling the uh, the FIFA World Cup. He's going to join us uh, in around half an hour or so's time. Uh, Bathurst 12-hour director Shane Rudzis, and I, I apologise if that's not the correct, correct pronunciation, he's going to join us after 4.30 because the Bathurst 12-hour race has been able to attract Valentino Rossi the great uh, motorcycle champion, MotoGP champion, multiple-time champion. They've been able to attract uh, Valentino Rossi to to drive in their race, which is an unbelievable coup. I wonder what he's like with the four wheels. Mm. Well, he's done done a little bit of it. Yep. So it's not completely unfamiliar to him. But uh, we know how big and massive the Bathurst 1000 is, but the Bathurst 12-hour clearly is not as... Popular, this is going to go a long way when you bring someone of the calibre in motorsport, the calibre of Valentino Rossi to town. Well, let's bring in world eyes onto the event and seeing how amazing Bathurst is. We've grown up with it. We're Australian. We get it. And the real hard nuts around the world know about Bathurst as well. But this is going to bring a whole new audience, which is really exciting for Australian motorsport. Yeah, absolutely. So can't wait to speak to Shane uh, just around 4.30. We're going to speak to... Uh, strikers captain Peter Siddle. And didn't the strikers just have an evening uh, with the ball 
a couple of nights ago, knocking off the Thunder for 15. Have you seen anything like that? It was ridiculous. I couldn't believe it. I don't think they played a miss. They nicked everything <laughs> or went through. And Sid didn't even get a bowl himself. He's the captain. Yes. Couldn't swing himself on for a couple of overs. We'll, we'll to, ask uh, him about that. I jumped on the chat. Uh, I didn't see the game live. So I jumped on before to have a look at the the uh, the scorecard and thought, oh, you know, the captain, Siddley, would have picked up two or three. Didn't even have a bowl. No, it was, it was over in under six <laughs> overs. Just extraordinary. I, I've never seen that, not even in my local game. There was one time a good favourite of SEN, Liam Pickering. I played yes. against him yep. in Premier Cricket. Paran. Tell me you're not. You bowled him. Well, no, we had a bad day. We got wow. bowled out for under the temperature. And the temperature in Swan Hill that day was 39. So we got wow. bowled out for 38. And we thought that was a, a pretty average performance. They blew us away. Uh, that was uh, north. But... Uh, this is next level. Mm. And these are professional cricketers. Yes. Out for 15. Unbelievable. I thought it was a typo when I saw it. Uh, 39 in Swan Hills, uh, uh, that's a, just a mild day too. That's my yeah. hometown. So that's just a mild day up in those parts. It, it is. It can really get stinking <laughs> hot. Jeez, it was a hot day though. Uh, so we'll speak to uh, Peter Siddle, Jordan Canellis, Shane Rodgers, and also Southeast Melbourne Phoenix captain and superstar Mitch Creek's going to join us after five. He scored 46 points yesterday, if you don't mind. The Phoenix played the Sydney Kings down in Terrelgan, uh, and, and and Mitch had 46 points. So looking forward to speaking to Mitch because there's been plenty happening for the Phoenix. Their big Chinese superstar Joe Chi is going to go home, plus a couple of injuries yesterday for the Phoenix. So a massive, massive show. Uh, but uh, Paul from Newcastle wants to... Uh, speak off the top about bowler-dominated test matches. I wonder whether Paul's in uh, your uh, basket or in another. Paul, uh, welcome to the show. Good afternoon, fellas. Uh, enjoying uh, the start. I haven't heard you do your stuff before, but it's a great start. Beauty. Hallelujah. It's only batters and bean counters that want these boring five-day games. I mean, okay, Travis Head got runs. You know, it's good enough for him. Mm. It's beautiful to see a bowler-dominated test match because uh, they've been struggling for years. Good on them. Yeah, Paul, I'm with you. Look, appreciate your call and appreciate your um, acknowledgement of the new partnership in here as well. Uh, (laughs) We're just getting off the mark with a couple of singles, just building our own innings. But uh, look, I I like my cricket being very different. I actually really enjoyed the fact that it was such a green wicket it was unusual. It's unique, uh, and it even got harder and harder as the as the test went on. Day two was incredibly difficult to bat on, but I really enjoy test cricket when you see it from Pakistan or something. This, the facilities, the conditions are so different that it's just so new. Mm. It's not just so predictable, and that's why it was so exciting for me and I, I Paul think, as well. I think from a more new, I'm a cricket lover, but not not necessarily watch it as closely as. As you for sure, but the 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 difference is, and when you say watching those games overseas, the the you, the known unpredictability versus the predictability of just line and length that's going to be incredibly hard, lots of leaves, lots of runs. I think that's the difference, isn't it? Now there's a balance. I don't think if we if we have multiple two day test matches, I think we'll start to to see uh, people call for change, which we already have. Some people have have really called it out and and said it was a disgrace and the result shouldn't necessarily stand in all these types of outlandish statements. And we do live in that space of, of hot takes, but it probably, it was a, it was an aberration that we probably don't want to see it necessarily that far slewed 
toward the unpredictability. Would that be fair? No, and it, it probably wouldn't be sustainable as well because obviously this economics part of, yeah. uh, yeah. You, know, yeah, of you, you want the test match to go the full tilt and, uh, you know, they haven't been able to do that. And that's not just for Cricket Australia, but there's all sorts of uh, contributors and uh, that need to be involved in that way. But look, I think that... Um, yeah, the variety for me. That's what I like, JJ. Um, mix it around. Have it a little bit different. It has been in favour of the batsman forever. So uh, I think it's terrific. And at one stage, they used to play on uncovered wickets. So if it rained overnight, it would be just a, a green top the next day. So mm. that's how things used to be. Obviously, I wasn't around. Oh, I was just early in my career when it was un, 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 uncovered wickets. But it, it's just the, the, the way it is. Uh, and I thought it was, uh, yeah, a good change-up. Yeah, test match. I agree. Uh, Paul, thanks for your call. The talkback line is for King Island Tourism. Play King Island's Pure Links Golf Courses. And uh, if you've got a text message, make sure you uh, flick it into us on the 40 Wings Temper Text. Get you, your unique bed match profile and find the right bed for you. 40 Wings, serious about sleep. Those who aren't as serious about sleep, who, who might be tonight but weren't last night, are those who stayed up and watched <laughs> the FIFA World Cup last night. Now, I, I didn't get up. Full disclosure, I didn't get up and watch it. I, I woke up at 5.45 uh, to catch some NFL. I quickly jumped on Google and checked, and I was devastated when I checked the scores, and I knew straight away that I'd missed a, an absolute classic. I was devastated. Did you, Bryce, did you get up? No, no. no. Full disclosure for me too, because I knew that we were going to have Jordan Canellis. Now, yes. if, if anyone's going to watch it and call it and understand it, I want to hear my, my my summary from him. So that's what I was expecting. But then I was disappointed like you. I was so flat that I just went, I've just missed something. Yeah, and it, epic. It's monumental. Yeah. And uh, just for a few hours sleep, I should have just stayed up and done it as a sport lover. Well, we'd be in some pain between us if we had it. But uh, <laughs> we are going to speak to Jordan Canellis after 3.30. But if for those who want to hear it again or uh, for people like us who are too slack to get up and watch, what they're saying is the greatest soccer slash football game ever. This is Jordan Canellis calling the uh, winning moment of this morning's World Cup final. Gonzalo Montiel for Argentina. The world waits. Montiel steps up and he's put it in the back of the nets. And it's Argentina. Montiel has scored and Argentina have won the World Cup. A destiny has been fulfilled. The journey is complete. Argentina are World Cup champions. They've won on penalties. 4-2, 36 years since their last, and now their national badge can be decorated with the third star. And it's a glorious end to the odyssey of their little number 10. The spirit of Diego Maradona feels presence as his heir to the throne, Lionel Messi, gets his crowning moments. So three all after uh, regulation and injury time and extra time. We go to penalties and Argentina end up getting the job done 4-2. The two superstars, two of the three or four best players in the world, maybe the two best players in the world, uh, score five goals between them. It it simply could not have been a better game. Now, I've only watched the uh, the mini version, the shortened down version. And as I said, I'm devastated I didn't get up and watch watch, watch the tally live. There's nothing like live sport. The penalties... 
Is that how you, a World Cup final, now I understand that's how it has to be in the, in the group stages because you can't play forever because you've got to back up. But in a final, we've had this debate with AFL grand finals and draws and coming back. Are, mm. would, are you happy to see, are you okay to see a game of uh, soccer or football and with penalties, oh, a World Cup decided on it? Well, I don't mind it because that's just how the game is. So I don't mind it. And it, it is... It's, it's so much tension involved in that, the oh, huddle of the teams yeah. together. Walking up, imagine having that shot. You're in its hard kicking for goal, 25 out directly in front in a final. You wonder, you'd have to be coming in thinking, don't miss the ball. Exactly, yeah. that'll stub your foot in front of it. Or <laughs> The pressure on those sort of moments is outrageous. So I, I, I just love it. I, I, the theatre of it is just extraordinary and the pressure on the players and – it's only a little bit at stake. Your whole nation is behind you. Oh. And, and the hundreds of millions of people watching around the world at that moment, you are right under the spotlight. Boy, um, you know, it gives a whole another perspective, doesn't it? I saw some videos on, on socials, uh, and we'll get to a break in a moment, from Argentina in some of the large cities, and you have never seen a a congregation of people like it. it, it there's a drone footage. If you haven't seen it, jump on Twitter or Instagram, it'll be the first thing that comes up or, or punch it into Google, Argentina celebration, something like that. It is absolutely phenomenal uh, the way that they're celebrating. And again, to have the superstars and football's a, a team sport, as is, you know, cricket and basketball and, and AFL and, and, and rugby league. But the sport, sports are generally dominated by the stars, and we want to watch the stars perform well. It was great seeing Croatia and, and Morocco do well, but to see Mbappe and, and, and Leo yeah. Messi kick five, you couldn't ask for much more than that, whichever way the result went. Well, the crescendo, and we see it with the other sports as well, obviously cricket with a World Cup that was just a, a little bit early with T20, and uh, we, we see it with all the other World Cups that are on, the Olympics every four years. When it is at this level... It's it's a World Cup that isn't all the time. You're starved of that moment, mm. and all the players are exactly the same. All the nations are the same. It takes uh, the, I guess, sport to a completely another level, and that's why it is so exciting because it's not on all the time. Um, hopefully, the the schedules of cricket can actually yeah. l- learn from yeah. that a little bit. Less is sometimes a bit more. Yeah, there's no drama like like a penalty shootout, and there's no drama like like the drama of uh, sport. We're here for trade. Uh, Trade is our for Ace Gutters, Australian made, built to last. We're here for robot building supplies. Robots got it, and Berwick BMW. Famous next day servicing available now. We're going to get to our, our first break because we've got a jam-packed show. Josh Jenkins and Bryce McGain in. We've got Jordan Canellis, the SBS football commentator. Bathurst 12-hour director Shane Rudzis will join us. And then Peter Siddle, the captain of the Strikers and the captain of the Southeast Melbourne Phoenix, Mitch Creek. So don't go anywhere. This is SEN. Uh, welcome back to The Run Home with Josh Jenkins and Bryce McGain in the chair. Effectively, well, filling in for a few people, Bryce, but uh, we're enjoying it. We've enjoyed the first 20 minutes or so. Uh, this Australia's Hour for Ace Gutters, Australian made, built to last. And I didn't think it would take too long for someone to want to jump on the line and talk about what happened uh, between Melbourne City and Melbourne Victory. And Pete from Paran has done just that. Pete, what did you make of what happened on Saturday night? All right, so guys, thank you very much. I mean, I found out about it secondhand, if you like, and it was really on your website. So the SN site, I went on to look at the times for the 
the, the soccer, the main game. And he was reported there, and I started reading through all the details. I actually went down and read. I was, I was up, up like most, obviously horrified as, as to the extent of what happened. But I was more horrified when I read actually what happened step by step, and it's documented very well on on SEN's website. And the thing that that he showed me is there were multiple failures in the process to remedy the situation. So obviously we had idiots who came in with, with flares that they do this often and like idiots threw uh, a flare onto the field endangering players. Mm-hmm. But what happened next is, is also really concerning because in most situations, and Josh, you wouldn't know about the AFL process or what you guys get edu- would have got educated to do in the past and as a coach, how you educate your players. If objects come on, usually the goalkeeper or whoever's near that goes to the referee, the game stops, they try and remove anyone they can see, they, they threaten to stop the game, and it continues. But nowhere would have been the process would be or the instruction would have been is throw the object back, endangering more people than the idiot that threw it in to start with. Uh, and then obviously we ran over things. So I think there were many failures, and that's what really is concerned. The FFA needs to come on and explain what is their process under a situation where you have objects thrown onto the field. What do they instruct their players to do, their staff to do, their security, etc. And so that was my concern, guys, that there were multiple failures, multiple failures. It could have been a lot worse. Well, for Pete, thank Christ it wasn't. Uh, I think removing, the first thing I'd say, Bryce, is removing the objects well, removing objects like a flare that can be thrown or can be even taken into a ground is, is the first thing. What, why, yes. why, we, why we need to or why there should be allowed to be flares in a sporting event, I, I'm not sure. Can you think of a reason why? Now, you can say theatre or whatever, but when a flare can do damage, why should it, why would it, why should it be allowed into a yeah. Well, clearly it's been smuggled in uh, because, you know, obviously security there. And this wasn't something that was going to be a surprise on Saturday night. There was going to be enormous protest. What I understand is that the police and everyone was gathered outside the ground, expecting everyone to be rushing out of the ground. Um, So it just. Yes, not onto the ground. Not onto the ground. And it just seemed like there was just nothing to stop them. And uh, so, look, there's failures all over. And I I think that's the important part. Uh, I, I guess. The, the organisation needs to be able to say, well, this is what, where the failings are and actually report back on it and be pretty mm. public about it. I think the first step of that is uh, also the part where there, there doesn't appear to be much consultation about the, the grand final going to Sydney as well. Mm. Now, mm. I, I know this is really, they're nearly two separate subjects. I get it. Yep. But uh, it, it's it's triggered off all of these, all of this ongoing uh, dramas. It was dangerous. It was scary, uh, and look, we've heard on the radio for most of today and, and uh, Sunday as well. Just uh, the, the the passion that people are, are, are feeling about the fact that you know soccer's shooting itself in the foot again. Yeah, and that's the issue. The blame game won't really do much good here. And, you know, Pete wasn't necessarily doing that, but I've heard people blame the goalie for throwing the flare back and this and that, the other. The A League is not necessarily in a position. In my view, and I'm only a casual observer, but you know the A League's certainly not a mainstream league in this country. It's it's a fair way down the down the uh, down the pecking order. So that's where I query. You know, having empty stadiums moving forward for Melbourne Victory, having uh, points stripped, and we've seen the Melbourne Storm suffer those types of issues with premierships taken away from them. But rugby league, the NRL, is a massive 
a, a league, a massive league, mm. which is flourishing and doing incredibly well. It's it's very delicate for the A League because you need to punish uh, the people involved and you need to punish them quite severely. But you've also got a league not in the balance, hanging in the balance, but not that far off. It's it, there's 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 a ways to go for the A League to to get some. Or to grab some more relevance in a very, very congested and, 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 and busy sporting arena. So how would you feel, JJ, if they had to play, say, I don't know, the next six home games with no crowd? How would that sit with you? Uh, no, I wouldn't love it. Now, again, I'm a more casual observer, but I would feel like you are punishing the majority for the minority's errors. Mm. Now, I actually have heard a lot of... Um, Commentary around punishing the Melbourne victory, the football club. Now they may have had some, they've got alleged, or they apparently have some suspended sentences for fans and all these types of things. But the the Melbourne victory aren't responsible for the uh, security at Amy Park. The the, uh, Amy Park employs a security team. So how the the Melbourne victory football club can be responsible for that, I'm not sure. And, And also... I, I'm a big believer in people having to be responsible for their own actions. Those people who went onto the field, I think to a man or woman, and hopefully there were no children out there, but you know not to go on there. You know it's not the right thing to do. And you know that if you go on there, the likelihood is we've seen enough people banned for life or banned for years at a time for doing it. So I would just pick them out one by one. And I saw a lot of stuff on Twitter last night looking for people who were on the ground and their photos being thrown around, just ban them for life. Are you, have you got a different view on that? No, look, I'm more than comfortable. They, they need to, um, I guess, have the, the full strength of the law against mm. them. You know, mm. this is this is some diabolical acts. It could have been a lot worse. A yeah. lot worse. And, and we're talking about a, a goalkeeper with concussion. A, a referee was there when the, you know, this is, it's just diabolical. The, the whole lot of it is diabolical, and they the the full length and the the breadth and of the law should be coming down on them like a ton of bricks. Yeah. I would have thought, and uh, that would be the deterrent for the future. It, it does have an impact against the football club. There's no doubt about it. If the club, uh, I don't think the A League can necessarily financially cope with no one being in the crowd. So I, I think they need to deal with it. And they need to do this transparently because th- that is what needs to happen. There needs to be a plan around it. We've investigated it, and this is how we're going to deal with it. We're going to be supported with Victoria Police, et cetera, et cetera, and away it goes, and, and, and it just gets sorted out very quickly. You can't just go to ground here mm. and, and not yep. be uh, communicating yep. what's going on and how it's going to be dealt with. I absolutely agree. Uh, let's get to the news because on the other side, Joe in Glen Iris wants to have a chat about the same A-League protest. So let's get the news uh, out of the way, find out what's happening in the world, and we'll be back with Joe and plenty more on SEN. Uh, welcome back to the run home. Josh Jenkins and Bryce McGain. And, of course, uh, our talkback is for King Island Tourism. Play King Island's Pure Lynx Golf Courses Today, get involved. Bryce, you, you, you strike me as a, a nice, you'd be able to swing the club. Yeah, I do enjoy golf. Yeah. Well, oh, okay. this is not a place to be uh, humble. No, the no. People who sit in that chair typically aren't. No, <laughs> so. I'm okay. I just don't play enough. So official handicap hovers between 12 and 15. So I can enjoy it. I can start, if I play a bit more, I can get, get a little around bit nicely. Yeah. yeah. Well, hopefully we get some weather 
to enjoy a bit more uh, golf. Uh, Joe, I promise we'd get to you after the news, and that is where we are. So, Joe, you're in Glen Iris, and you want to speak about the A-League protests. Uh, welcome to SEN. Hey, Joe. Joe. Hello. Hello. Yeah, can you hear me? Yes, we've got you loud and clear. Uh, go for it. Oh. Joe, are you there? Yeah, here. Can you All hear right. me? Yeah, we'll give you another go. Uh, we can hear you loud and clear. You want to speak about the A-League okay. protests? Sorry. Oh. We might try and get Joe back on the line. Uh, we could hear him clearly for a moment, but yeah. uh, we'll just try and get him back on the line and uh, we'll get his point of view uh, because it is really, and we're getting a few texts uh, on the 40 Wings temper text about, you know, comparisons to this and that and uh, cricket fans throwing bottles onto the ground and what happens in South America. I don't really think that we're tr- when we shouldn't be trying to compare ourselves and particularly trying to make ourselves better and say, oh, this didn't happen, so Or this sport's that. better and that sort of sport's worse. I don't necessarily think that. that's the that's point not the of conversation. View. No, not at all. Not at all. So uh, what we need to do is 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 to clean it up. And I liked your your – I loved what you said about the, the communication throughout. Typically, sporting bodies will go to ground on these types of things. The A-League's not in a position to go to ground on this. You've got to be able to tell us what's happening and tell us how you're going to prevent it from happening next time. Yeah, exactly. Exactly that. It's uh, communication's the key. In in crisis, you've got to communicate. And uh, I hope that that's what will be happening over the next day or two. Uh, Mick's in Taylor's Hill. Wants to chat about the same uh, issues around the A-League. Mick, welcome. Hey, guys. We just had a World Cup 72 games. I reckon I watched 60 of them. You know how many flares I saw and how many pitch invasions I saw? Hopefully none. None. So... What's wrong with uh, a mandatory 12 months if you hold, throw a flare, or jump on the pitch? No one will do it, guaranteed. Problem solved. The game's gone backwards 30 years, guys. Yeah, I, I agree, Mick. I think I, I think even 12 months might even be on the light side. What do you think, Bryce? I think if you, I think you you must understand that going onto the the playing arena, whatever the sport is, is completely forbidden. Completely forbidden. And and if you do it, then you're going to suffer a very, very serious consequence. Well, aren't there, there rules? And, and I remember seeing at the MCG, if you run onto the ground at, at football or, or, or um, cricket, cricket yep. uh, they have a, have an amount. It was always a really odd amount. I couldn't, couldn't quite understand <laughs> yeah. it. But it's, it's a lot it's, of money, though. Yeah, yeah. Tons of money. Uh, the, the pitch invasion penalty. So that should be applied, bang, straight away. That There's that. Yep. And then the criminal activity involved in what was going on. And then it's the uh, up to the uh, competition to then put the bands on as they see a, a fit and appropriate. Um, look, life bands, I'm not against it. Um yeah, I'm you, not you know, either. full well, as soon as you, you walk know. in there, yeah. if you're sitting at a seat at, a, at an event and you're about to run on the ground, well, you're going to get banned forever. So you, you miss out on having fun and going to sport. So yeah. don't bother turning up. Don't wreck it for others. Agree. Uh, we're going to get a break out of the way because on the other side, Jordan Canellis is going to join us. And we're going to look at the more positive side uh, to the global game, the world game, uh, because Jordan had the uh, privilege and the privilege was ours listening to his work calling the FIFA World Cup. So that's in his rearview mirror. He's had a bit of a sleep. And we're going to have a chat to him on the other side. Gonzalo Montiel for Argentina. The world waits. Montiel steps up and he's put it in the back of the nets. 
and it's Argentina. Montiel has scored and Argentina have won the World Cup. A destiny has been fulfilled. The journey is complete. Argentina are World Cup champions. They've won on penalties 4-2, 36 years since their last, and now their national badge can be decorated with the third star. And it's a glorious end to the odyssey of their little number 10. The spirit of Diego Maradona feels presence as his heir to the throne, Lionel Messi, gets his crowning moments. Ah, oh, the golden tonsils, the golden voice of <laughs> SEN's Jordan Canelis. I'd say SEN uh, football caller, but he calls all sorts of football, all types of sports. And uh, he's done a fantastic job calling the FIFA World Cup for SEN. He was getting up at 8 p.m., not 8 a.m., getting up at 8 p.m., doing all kinds of crazy hours throughout the night. But uh, Jordan, you've uh, given us a few moments of your time. I imagine you're still feeling a little weary, but... Must have all been worth it when you get to call a game like you did this morning. Yeah, afternoon, JJ, afternoon, Bryce. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm pretty knackered, actually. <laughs> I'm, uh, <laughs> I've been awake since uh, since yesterday evening, so I'm trying to... My strategy is I'm trying to tucker myself out so I get a good long rest tonight. Um, so I'm a, bit, I'm a bit weary indeed. But uh, but no, the, the game this morning was exceptional. It was... It was probably the game of the tournament. Really, there was some great ones all throughout the uh, all throughout the last month. But yeah, that was a special way to end the World Cup. Do you know how many how many games did you call all up? Because you were working through the night for the past couple of weeks. Do you know how many games you uh, end up calling overall? Yeah, so I counted them up. I was doing uh, I was doing two a day at, at some point. So I was I ended up doing thirty seven out of the sixty four. Wow! Wow! Thirty seven games. How did you go? I presume uh, you are a, a you know a very big follower of the world game as it is. But some of the the players from different countries that you would have had to have memorised, and I've spoken to Matt Hill, the race caller, about you know trying to memorise silks and play and and jockeys and all these types of things. How did you go trying to memorise these 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 guys and these teams and these countries that you probably haven't laid eyes on too many times before? Yeah, yeah, correct. Um, I did a lot of preparation in the in the months leading up. I sort of chipped away at it slowly, doing prep uh, for about three or four months before the World Cup. Um, and then when we got to the actual games, it was pretty much just um, uh, sort of player faces, play pictures uh, online. FIFA are really good at providing us with um, with uh, name pronunciation videos where the players say their name, so that always helps as well. <laughs> um, so especially for the countries that you don't really see a lot of. Yeah. Um, and then it was pretty much, luckily with, with football, with soccer, there's only 11 players per team on the park. And most players are pretty regimented in keeping their position. So if you know a player is playing at left back, if it's in that area of the field, you sort of roughly know it's going to be that guy. So they don't move out of position like footy too much where they all go all over the ground. Um, you, you can sort of tell which area of the of the park the players are on. And then it's just it's just kind of the, the standards... Um, commentated protocol of looking at the different coloured boots and the tattoos and the hair colours and the, and the, the, I don't know, wrist tape or whatever. You're just picking up on those little cues. So you pick it up. I was picking it up as I went for, uh, for, for some of the really obscure players. We've just explained, Jordan, for all the young commentators out there wanting to be able to do that, 
That's exactly how to do it. That's the blueprint for the future. You might have talked yourself out of a role in uh, future World Cups, <laughs> but you did such a magnificent job, and it really was a comforting voice throughout the night. Whenever we I tuned in and the game was on, it was uh, always so thoroughly done. So well done on an unbelievable World Cup. This World Cup final, though, Jordan, what made it so special for you? Uh, I think it's it's because it was just it was entertaining. I mean, that's sort of the the uh, the short of it is that some World Cup finals tend to be pretty cagey and low scoring. Um, 2018, so four years ago, was a good final as well. We had six goals. Also, it was a 4-2 win for France. Before that, though, we had sort of low scoring, drawn out, uh, stodgy kind of games. One nil in extra time. One nil, two nil. They weren't all that exciting or controversial. Um, in, in the last, or particularly in the 21st century, um, but this time we had goals, we had entertainment. It was it was um, goal for goal. It was you know France would equalise, Argentina would get back in front, France equalised again. There was a bit of controversy as well with uh, some penalty calls, uh, maybe some some non penalties that weren't awarded by the referee, and we had the star players playing um, to the best of their ability. This game was billed as being Messi versus Mbappe, the two teammates who played together in France at PSG mm. and now on opposite sides of the park. Um, and they had been two of the best players throughout the tournament and they, and they showed up in the finals. So it was just a, it was every storyline that you want at the elite level of sport, the best players playing well, entertainment, goals, bit of controversy here and there. And then um, being fought all the way to the very end as well, all the way down the line to the penalty shootout. So it had just the perfect mix of everything that makes, an entertaining football game, entertaining. Jordan, some of the expertise or the experts uh, that that, uh, were following the game have mentioned that Argentina really opened things up and that was probably the the big play as to why it was so entertaining is because they wanted it open. They wanted to allow their players' skills to to shine rather than, as you say, being a bit stodgy. Is that what you observed as well? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Argentina, they sort of, they built through the tournament. So they started the, the tournament a bit slowish uh, through the group stage. They definitely started slow. They lost their first game. Um, and then as they were building up through the group stage, they, they got a bit better in keeping the ball, but they weren't, uh, they weren't moving it fast. They were just holding it and being very patient in possession. As they got through the tournament, though, they sort of built into a run through the the quarterfinals, the semifinals, and then the final, and they started to be more adventurous with how they use the ball. And it was that pace uh, up front from from the young striker, Julian Alvarez, who, who just recently signed to Manchester City. He showed us all his ability now. This was really the first time that the whole world has seen young Alvarez, 22 years old, and he had a lot of pace opening up the game, getting in behind, making those sprints. Um, Di Maria, as well, the veteran who came out on the, on the left wing, um, he'd missed most of the knockout stage with injury, returned for the final and was arguably the best player on the park. Uh, and his runs in behind as well, spreading the field out on the left flank, again, getting in behind the defence, making it a real uh, sort of pace battle on that far side. They, they, allowed, they allowed those attacking options to open up the game and get France running. They, they, France probably aren't the best team when, when they've had to turn and face their own goal and scrambling back in defence. And ultimately, that's what... Um, gave uh, uh, Argentina the upper hand through the first uh, 80 or so minutes when they were leading 2-0. Uh, now, we love a McCaffey here at SEN, Jordan. Make no mistake about that. I imagine you had a few, but you also would have fed off the energy of Archie Thompson, who you worked closely alongside. And I heard some of his work, and he's a very energetic character. We spoke to him here on the run home uh, late last week. So I imagine 
coffee plus a little bit of Archie Thompson was the was the tonic you needed to get you through some of those difficult uh, nights when some of those games in the early stages weren't necessarily as exciting. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, I'm actually not a coffee drinker, so oh, I was just my uh, Godfather. I, <laughs> I was just going off, off off the natural energy, but yeah, definitely, definitely feeding a lot of uh, of Archie. He was. Uh, he was a live wire on air and off air as well, <laughs> um, and uh, he also was uh, he was very kind in, in bringing in uh, lollies and chocolates. So I think we were we were going off a sugar rush as well for a lot of the a lot of the time. But um, no, Archie was great. He was really good. I thought he's uh, just as a uh, as a as a radio. He hasn't actually done much radio, which is surprising because he was so good. And, he, mm. and he, I thought he got better throughout the tournament too. Um, so yeah, it was great having Archie on board and, and someone who's been to a World Cup and has played in big games and he knows those big moments. So he was uh, he was uh, coming from a good place when when giving his analysis. Uh, does it now? I know you're a hard worker and uh, working hard is the expectation at SEN, but uh, there's got to be a little spell for you now. Have you got a few days or potentially dare I say it even weeks off to to regain a bit of energy and uh, enthusiasm for 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 getting on air? I do, I do, yeah. Thankfully, I do. I've got, uh, I've got the next sort of four, I think, days off. So I'm back on, back on Friday. Oh. So I've got most of this, most of this week off, and I can correct my sleeping pattern, which is nice. I thought, I thought you were going to say weeks. Four weeks off. That's what I thought you. I was hoping you were going to say, but no rest for the wicked. Uh, Jordan, well done. I think everyone uh, uh, that that tuned in, either you know regularly or infrequently, uh, absolutely admired the job that you did. You've uh, you certainly put your name up in lights. Uh, for the future, you're only a young man, but uh, you're a very good caller of the AFL and many of many of the other sports as well. So, well done on what you did, and uh, I tell you what, you need to get onto the coffees. But anyway, that's a story for another day. <laughs> Go and have a rest tonight. Hopefully, you can get through to seven or eight o'clock tonight. Get twelve hours uh, behind you, and you'll be uh, back and ready to rock and roll. Yeah, that's the plan. That's the plan. Appreciate it, guys. Appreciate the kind words, and uh, thank you. Well done. That's uh, Jordan Canelis, the SEN. World Cup as superstar, and he did a he did an amazing job uh, just to be able to to charge through. And you heard him say three or so months before the World Cup started, he's putting in the the time, learning the names of the players and and the faces and the countries. Incredible effort. Yeah, it doesn't surprise me because that's how good it sounded. It was the the little things that he did so well. He's looking at tattoos and wrist tape and all that sort of stuff. <laughs> Incredible so stuff. That's that's an amazing analysis. But well done to Jordan and. To to what was, as far as I can recall, one of the best World Cups of all time. Yes, and this is absolutely, uh, take this as a compliment, Jordan, if you're still listening off the 40 Winks temper text. Get your unique bed match profile and find the right bed for you, 40 Winks, serious about sleep. Uh, I've just lost the text, but it was uh, something along the lines of, uh, I didn't. I thought that was Jared Waitley every time I was listening, but it was Jordan. So that is absolutely, take that as a compliment. So Jordan Canellis. Our guest, uh, we're going to get a uh, quick break out of the way before we approach the four o'clock news. We've got plenty more after the four o'clock news as well. Peter Siddle's going to join us, as is Shane Rutzis and Mitch Creek. So hang with us, plenty more. Welcome to the run home. Josh Jenkins and Bryce McGain in the chair. We didn't necessarily think we'd be in the chair today, Bryce. In <laughs> fact, we didn't think we'd be in the chair tomorrow or potentially the next day. But uh, thanks to the South Africans, we are here because the cricket only lasted two days. That means we're going all around the nation today on SEN. SEN Sydney, 11.70 a.m. 
SENQ in Brisbane, 6.93am and the Gold Coast, 16.20am. So we are all over the place today. We are. We're going far and wide, a bit like the cricket would have been. But uh, <laughs> I guess now what we can do, JJ, is maybe just talk about it a little yes. bit and, and what an amazing test match it was. Now, the, I had, we did get some feedback a little bit early from the from the temper text mm. that did suggest that, you know, how would I possibly like that? I'm a spin bowler. How would I like a green <laughs> wicket? Look, I just like digesting my cricket in all different ways. And I thought it was unique for that. It's not great for cricket. You don't want every test match to be like this. But occasionally, yep. when it comes up like that, then... I'm happy to have it that way. I, I agree. I'm gonna. We'll get to Alex uh, from Northlake, who's got a horse question. So I look forward to this, and then I want to just throw a few things at you with this pace attack mm. for the Aussies because we've got too many bowlers at the moment. So uh, Alex is in Northlake. He's got a question for me. I think it is. So Alex, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Josh. Yeah, um, I take it from snippets on SEN that you've got a more than a passing interest in harness racing. I do. Yes. A couple of weeks ago, Andy Mars suggested that you were t- checking out Australia's greatest pacer. I don't know which horse it was, but um, in debating your greatest pacer is, is one of those ones where you can argue black and blue that this was better than that horse. But a race that you should watch to see the greatest race of all time was the 1971 Miracle Mile in a right. horse called Mount Eden. All right. The, Mount Eden lost... 50 metres to 60 metres at the start in a mile race against the cream of Australasian and New Zealand pacing. Mm-hmm. He caught them and he won by eight lengths. Wow. Finish. You should watch. You should watch that race. 1971 Miracle Mile. I, I'm Alex. As soon as we get off air, that's me. I hopefully I can get it on Google. But thanks for your call. Uh, it is doesn't matter whether you're talking horses or footballers or cricketers comparing people or athletes or horses from different eras. It's and then the beauty is it's an endless debate. Yeah, exactly. No one can win and no one can lose. No, exactly. <laughs> and, and and opinions are well there everyone has one. Yeah, so I was gonna say there's a, <laughs> there's a good saying yeah. there. Now this Australian seam attack, the pace attack, yeah. It's as good as there is in world cricket. And our biggest problem seems to be we've got one too many. We might have two too many, in fact, but Josh Hazelwood's uh, seemingly on the road to recovery from that side strain. I-, I was reading some comments from him this morning where it said he's going to bowl four or five overs, have a break to allow that side to cool down and then go and bowl again. So yeah. he's going to try and replicate, you know, a, a break between um, a bowling spells. So if he gets through that, and let's say that he does, we've got the same issue of is it Boland? Is it... Hazelwood, is he a lock? Is there a concern over, is he 99% fit or is he 100% fit? Is Mitch Stark a dead set lock? We know Pat Cummins is. Where where does it land for you? It's an embarrassment it's, of riches. It is. It's so difficult. I think what it does show us, JJ, is just the strength of Australian domestic cricket as well. Scott Boland's been doing this. He's not an overnight success. Mm. He's been rocking this stuff out for seven years. Chipping away. And he has been outstanding, one of the leading wicket-takers of all time. Same with Michael Nisa as well. He's been doing it for many yep, years. Yep. And there's Sean Abbott as well. There's the depth. There's Jai Richardson. The depth is amazing. So it's a bit like horse racing. Is it a good form line if they're taking wickets in Sheffield Shield? Absolutely. Does it translate to international cricket without a shadow of a doubt? So yep. these guys who are at the top of domestic cricket are doing it 
uh, as soon as they arrive there. Scott Boland, 25 wickets in five tests. And if there's someone who blows it apart like he does, he's averaging just over 10. Mm. Now, they're under 12 uh, averages, yeah. I can assure you. Um, and that's a good thing, too. <laughs> yeah, it is a good thing. It's a positive. But what he does, he takes wickets in a hurry. So he he's yeah. a match. He changes the game. He'll get two or three in an over or two that just shifts the momentum and blows away a team. Now, that's his great skill. Now, it's because of where he bowls. He challenges the batsman's forward defence, and he's relentless at it. And he's been doing that, as I say, in, in Shield cricket. So you him going to the MCG, his home ground, He's just about a specialist at the MCG because he knows it inside and out. So it'd be so difficult to take him out of the lineup. Mm. And he he brings so much more to the team. So Cummins, yeah, you tick him. He's number one in the world. Yes, he's yeah. the captain. And the captain, yeah. Yeah, he's not going to pick him, uh, out pick himself <laughs> no. or drop himself. So that's not going to happen. So then you go with Stark. And it probably comes down to workload. Has he... Uh, yeah, because yeah, of the yeah, tests, yeah, the yeah. three tests now that he's played in a row, do you need to give him a rest? He's not going to say, I need a rest. Mm. But we've seen before fatigue overcome him at times, and he gets to the last test in Sydney and can you know, hardly, um, ha- hardly um, you know, get through the match, and he struggles a bit. So maybe there's an opportunity to bring in Hazelwood, rest Stark, and then deal with Sydney as you need mm, to deal with mm. it. But uh, look, the, the options are plenty, aren't they? Oh, absolutely. Now... Possession is nine-tenths of the law. That's what they say. Scott Boland is in the, is in the team. Now, uh, all he's done in his two innings in the most recent test was eight overs, two maidens, two for 14. Pretty good. Yep. And then 11 overs, uh, uh, two maidens, two for 28. So he's gone for hardly any runs. He's taken wickets. And, oh, by the way, the last time he played at the MCG in a Boxing Day test, he took six for seven. Yes. Folks. <laughs> So on form, you simply can't leave him out. But take us into the selection room, and I've been able to sit in these meetings from a football point of view. This is the hardest thing for a coaching panel. When the team's going too well, in a sense, and, you know, Geelong, we had a great season, and we had to leave guys out of the team who just hadn't – they just did not deserve to be out of the team. But you can't pick an extra player. You can't pick 12 in cricket. You can't pick 13. So one three hundred seven three six. 736. All right, give us a call. Jump on the uh, jump on the talkback line for King Island Tourism. Play King Island's Pure Links golf courses. Let us know. Who are you leaving out? Is it Boland? Is he the most unlucky player in world cricket? Is it Mitch Stark? Are you gonna take the easy way out as a selector and say, Oh, we think you need a rest? Have a bit of a have a bit of a spell. He won't take that too kindly, I can assure you. I've seen players say, I beg your pardon, I don't need a rest. Yeah. Rest me from training, don't rest me from the games. Or is Josh Hazelwood enough of a risk? Because he's had a couple of side strains in, in recent times, is that right? He has, yeah. Right. It's so bit... is that your out clause? Yeah, to say, hey, we just want to give you a little bit longer. Get yourself absolutely cherry ripe, and hopefully selectors will be praying by then something sort of takes care of itself. So one 736 736 You've got Stark, you've got Hazelwood, and you've got Boland. You can pick two, and you've got to give us a reason why the third one is left out. Now, I'm, I want to put you on Someone the, might even have Michael Neeser in the mixer as well. well, that, well <laughs> that, that would be interesting. We don't have long enough to get no. another bowler in. Line. <laughs> I'm putting you straight on the hot seat. So, Boland on his home deck. Hazelwood, who has been an unbelievably consistent uh, bowler for us. Or the returning 
So Hazelwood, Boland, or the strike bowler, the point of difference, Mitch Stark. Pick two, drop one. It's it's really challenging. So if we go to the rankings, mm-hmm. go to the world rankings of it. Right. Cummins, number one. Yes. Stark, number nine yes. in the world. Number yep. nine in the world. So we've got two guys in the top ten. Then at 14 is Nathan Lyon. So let's he's a lock. Let, yep. We'll put him in. There's no chance we go in without a spinner, right? No chance. Right. No chance right. at all. So we can take that off the table. Yeah, so don't ring in with that. But Josh Hazelwood at 15 is right there as well, uh, at 15 in the world. Feels and low to, for, for what he's done. Yeah. Uh, in white ball game, he did go into the World Cup as the number one T20 bowler in the world. Right. So in terms of white ball and red ball, sometimes it, it gets a bit blurred. It's all yeah, cricket, yeah, yeah, um, yeah, but yeah. it can get a bit blurred in terms of the rankings. And then a little bit further down is Scott Boland, 45, but he is uh, rapidly rocketing. Going, he's rocketing <laughs> up. Invest in Scott Boland if you're buying shares uh, because he his value would will go up provided he can get a game. That's the catch. Look, for me, uh, gee, it's a difficult one. I want to hear from uh, yes. m- maybe Roger from Cranbourne. You've, oh, you've just slithered your way out of it nicely. <laughs> uh, Roger is uh, in Cranbourne and he's been brave enough to ring up and uh, help us out with selection. Roger, who are you picking for the uh, Boxing Day test? I'd leave all three bowlers in, and one of them's only got to make five runs, and they'll have to do Warner, so drop in, and and you and right. keep a good base attack all round. Right. Well, that seems unlikely, Roger. What about if I'm to put the pressure on you a little bit more and squeeze a little bit harder? If you had to leave one of those three out, who would it be? I'd leave Hazelwood out. Yeah. From would you would you would you take the seemingly easy way out and say that we just want you to get fitter or would you do that on genuine form against the other two? I think all sides should be picked on form. Yep. And that's that's why I got my cheeky comment about water. I just how many failures do you have to have mm. before you before you get out? I mean, you can't say you're picking on form and pick him. I mean like what form? Mm. True, true, true. But when you Bryce, when you build up a bank of uh goodwill and evidence and and, and, and have had a long career. Yep. You you earn the right to you know we're not going to Marnus Labuschagne or Steve Smith have make back to back ducks uh, in the next test we're not going to drop them are we even though they might no, be out no. of form per se you, you you still build that that uh, that bank of evidence to suggest that we can David Warner's earn one or two more chances but it might not be more than one or two more chances will it no it's it, we're right at the very end I think for David Warner and. I'm sure the discussions and what we're seeing with the Australian selectors, uh, led by George Bailey, the chairman of that, is that there's open conversation about this stuff happening all the time. Mm. So I'm sure they would talk to Dave Warner and go, how would you like your career to end? Maybe it ends at the SCG. Maybe that's where they say, is it time? Mm. Your white ball, yeah, sure. You just keep going. You keep playing. We think there's some value there. Have you had enough test cricket? Is it time to hang them up? Because what we're seeing is this, the, the longer out of out of form patches for Dave Warner in the red ball game. So maybe there's something on the horizon that they'll be opening that discussion. But boy, if we got some good suggestions on the text <laughs> and this is what a good selector does. They gather information yep. from everywhere. JJ yeah, course, So don't put yes. me under too yeah. much heat. Well, you're the but, chief of, you're the chief selector though today. Yeah. I'm, I'm the chief, but I need to get the, the information. Right. I like the fact that, uh, suggesting that Scotty Boland, if he doesn't play, there'll be 25,000 less sitting at the MCG and, Boy, do they need some bottom sitting on seats in mm. the MCG at the moment because there's been a gap, not only with yeah. the Big Bash, but with that one-day game against England yes, on a Tuesday. Was, mm. Scheduling's horrendous at the moment at the G. Yeah. 
Yep, that was. Uh, a couple of others there. Um, g'day, Josh and Bryce. Hazelwood stays out not having played a lot of cricket in 12 months. Scott Boland stays and review for the next test. I, I probably would lean that way. That You simply can't. Why try and fix something that's certainly not broken? Oh, We've just knocked over uh, one of the best teams in the world for 99. Now, you know, some mitigating circumstances, but knocked him over for 152 and 99. And Boland's record at the moment is, is in fact, it's not as good. It's better than anyone's in world cricket at the moment. Yeah. <laughs> what he's done. So uh, keep him coming through. Let us know. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. 736 736 Scott Boland, Josh Hazelwood, or Mitch Stark. You can pick two, but you've got to leave one out. Don't try and get creative. Don't try and drop batters and don't try and... Drop Nathan Lyon. You've got to be brave enough to to pick two and and leave one out. Is the Mitch Stark resting? Is that would that be viable or would that be real enough to to float for Boxing Day? The oh, one look, test I, that he won't want to be dropped for. Well, yeah, I will tell you, JJ. Not one Australian Test player wants to miss out on Boxing Day. Yeah, it, it, oh, it is the absolutely. game, yeah. the game that they want to play every single year. And the players that come down for their first time, I remember many, many years ago, Stuart McGill was coming down to play his first ever Boxing Day Test, and he said, "I can't believe it. This is this yeah. is the most exciting thing I've ever experienced in my life." It is renowned around the world. You want to play Boxing Day. So they're not putting their hand up to say, oh, I'm a little bit weary. Um, I'm feeling a bit stiff and sore. I think on the on the workloads of the last test, they, these guys are all fresh. Yeah. So I don't think it's a, a, a real issue unless there's some underlying challenges with, with Stark that we're unaware yep. of. But from the outside looking in, uh, I don't think it would be an issue. Um, so, yeah, it's uh, for me, I'm not changing it. Yeah, I'm not changing the mm. lineup. It will be lock solid for me, and you know that you got Hazelwood up the sleeve, ready to go in the next test if required. Beautiful. Uh, we've got plenty of callers on the line as well, and we're going to get to those after the break. So Graham, Nick, Dan, and Mark, hang in there just a few minutes. We'll get some commitments out of the road, and we'll be back with all your calls and plenty more. We've got heaps to get through uh, this afternoon. We've got guests all over the place. Shane Rutzis. Uh, strikers captain Peter Siddle, and we'll put the uh, tough question to uh, Sids too, and he'll have a hopefully have an answer for us. He may sit on the fence, and also Mitch Creek. So plenty more coming up. Uh, plenty of callers on the line. Graham's in Nutterwadding wants to speak about the Australian Test team. Good afternoon, Graham. G'day, boys. I'm, uh, the headline is uh, keep the uh, bowling attack the same. Give Hazelwood an extra uh, game to uh, rest up, get that injury right. Give Stark a, a break for the third test in Sydney because he'll need it. And also Bolin is line and length, and that's what he needs on that uh, on that pitch. Beautiful, Graham. I like it. That's probably the sentiment in here as well. Uh, Nick's in Hoppers Crossing wants to speak about the same thing. Good afternoon, Nick. Good afternoon, JJ and Bryce. Good to hear you both again. Yes, it's, it's uh, been good fun thus far. We haven't made too many mistakes just yet, but give us a bit of time. <laughs> what, <laughs> uh, where, magnificent. where have you landed on this test uh, spoiling attack? It's very, very hard because I like all oh, the yeah. blokes. It's very hard, but I think my gut feeling is they'll, they'll go with um, Boland because he hasn't done anything wrong. He's going good. It is, it's his home ground. But I wouldn't be surprised if um, Hazelwood gets in, but I think what they're going to do is... Um, They'll give them a rest. 
So we'll get him back, the whole crew, playing in the um, Sydney Test, I think. That, that's what my gut feeling is going to happen. Mm. Um, as opposed to um, Mitch Stark, no, leave him in there. He's a gun. Him and Cummings are going great. Yep. Don't break that up now. And get them all playing together in Sydney, the whole crew, home ground. And then just, just concentrate on winning this um, test, mm. this test series. And then third, third test, we can, we can juggle it around a little bit. It doesn't really matter. We just need to win this second test. And once we've done that, Bowen will be, be in there again. There's no, no, no shadow of a doubt. Well, once some of these guys go, or it's, it's course for courses sort of thing. or be scenario in the future, I reckon. Beautiful. And, when they get, and then he'll be in the squad just in case there's an injury or whatever. They'll yep. have a very strong unit. But our, our, our only problem is is the, is the opening section. Yeah. That's our biggest problem at the moment. But the bowling stocks are magnificent. They are. Absolutely are. Thanks, Nick. Uh, Dan's in Brisbane. Uh, what's your view on the bowling attack? Yeah, I don't see how you can leave Stark out and say he needs a rest. I mean, the second set, the test just went for two days. Yeah. Well, all over in two days. How can you rest the bloke after he's bowled about, oh, 10 you know, so I mean, obviously Bowling gets the stick there because he's just killing it. And um, yeah, Hazelwood, you just got to kill your Jets for uh, another Test match, unfortunately. Yeah, I probably uh, probably agree with you, Dan. That's probably uh, the way it goes. So thanks for your call, Dan. Uh, Mark is in Canberra. Before we get to the news, Mark, uh, what's your view on uh, the bowling attack? Well, I say this with the greatest respect for Scott Bowling, but. At the moment, he's a bit like Kramer in that episode of the Golden of the Golden Globes or the Academy Awards. He's a bit of a seat filler at the moment for Hazelwood. Um, Hazelwood got all this credit over a long period of time, and Boland, while he's been fantastic, in any other time he'd probably stay in the team. But I think Hazelwood's given all the credit over a long period, and you know, look at those three and how they. Got Australia to the top of the test rankings. I think Cable would have to come back in. Thank you, Mark. Well, there you go. There's a, yeah, a balanced view there. Yeah. Yep. So we've locked away coming to course. Stark's locked away. Lyons locked away. So it, it is that battle between mm. the two of them, isn't it? That mm. Hazelwood and Stark. Do you bring him back now at ninety percent? The reports are today at three o'clock was that he was at 90% and he's going to go through the protocols to to be bowling and preparing. I think this, um, yeah, th- th- look, there's every chance that they may swing that way with Hazelwood because yeah. he is so good. But, gee, I can't leave out Scott You may Bowling. as well be, you, may, you don't need to play someone at 90% when you've got someone else ready to rock and roll like Scott Boland or... There's or, a lot of cricket to come too. Yeah, you, and, don't, and, you just don't need to play someone at 90% and risk... An injury and putting the load on, on the other guys, you just don't need to do that. And for those guys who have played cricket, it doesn't matter what level, but if you've done a side strain, you're a fast bowler, you feel it and it hangs around for yeah. a long time. There's no need to risk that and turn it into a two-monther. Yeah. Just make sure he's absolutely cherry ripe. And there's a lot of test match to come in the next 14 months. There are, Busy, yeah. There's a, there's a million yeah. test matches that Australia need to play, and he's going to play a big role in our success. Indeed. Uh, let's get to the news because after the news, we're going to speak to Bathurst, Bathurst 12-hour director Shane Rutzis, who's pulled off a massive coup in bringing Valentino Rossi, the multiple-time MotoGP world champion, to town. He's going to jump off the bike and into the car. So we'll speak to Shane after the news.
Uh, welcome back. Josh Jenkins and Bryce McGain jumping in all across the uh, nation here on the run home. SEN Sydney, SENQ and Brisbane and the Gold Coast and, of course, here in Melbourne. Uh, we've got a special guest on the line, Shane Rudzis, who has uh, pulled off quite the coup in the for the Bathurst 12-hour. Now, he's the um, event director and he's been able to bring a seven-time world champion motorcycle, MotoGP superstar, the great doctor, the Val- uh, Valentino Rossi, and he's brought him across to compete in the Bathurst 12 hours. I'm keen just to uh, ask him about how that all uh, went down and how he was able to pull off such a coup. Shane, thanks for jumping on the line. Hey, Josh. Thanks for having me, mate. No problems. Uh, talk us through how you were able to uh, bring the great Valentino Rossi to town now, I've been reading that he's been doing a little bit of uh, driving of a four-wheel uh, variety. But how did all this come about? Yeah, yeah, it's, uh, it was it was amazing news to finally announce it on, on Saturday. And uh, the doctor, yeah, he's, he's very well much loved both in Australia but everywhere overseas. Um, so um, Valentino, he's he's he, he retired from uh, dual racing. Um, some say a bit more dangerous than the four-wheel variety mm-hmm. um, about two years ago or so, and. Last year, he um, decided he wanted to go in the path of racing in GT3 cars or GT racing. Um, so he, he trialled that first of all in Europe uh, with a team called WIT in, in, in an Audi um, R8 GT3. Went pretty well, um, has great support around him. Uh, and, and, and what happened was um, in the off-season, um, WIT transferred to BMW. And BMW have a brand-new GT3 car that they really want to go hard with globally and, and win as much as they can. And uh, they want to come to the mountain in February and uh, try to win the Bathurst 12 hour. And the good thing with Valentino being a, a driver in, in, with WIT, he uh, he had a, a bucket list of how do I race at Bathurst. It all came together well. And uh, and hence he's, he'll be racing on the mountain in February uh, in one of the one of the great BMW GD, M4 GD3 cars, um, along with co-drivers who are... Um, um, a guy called Maxime Martin from Belgium, Belgium and then Augusto Farfus from Brazil. So, yeah, amazing news for us. And to have him here, I mean, we've seen straight away the attention on the events being remarkably higher than we ever have. And, uh, yeah, we, we can't wait to have him here. What, what does it do for the event? We know, you know, that Bathurst and, and the mountains synonymous with, with motor racing fans. What does it do for, for your event to be able to bring someone of his talents, one, but also the profile that he'll bring and the eyes that he'll uh, bring to your event as well. What does it do for you guys? Oh, it, it's absolutely massive. We, we had a strategic goal for years back to try to bring some of these high-profile stars here. And the hard thing being in Australia is that we're so far away from everything, mm. and especially being in February, it's, it, it can be quite difficult to attract people to get here. But... um. But for us, I mean, uh, I mean, I've got a, I've got a text from the mayor of Bathurst, and he's got his, <laughs> his the doctor hat on. Um, he's so excited <laughs> about the event. It's it's, it's crazy. And I've, on our social media pages, I've never seen so many shares of the story with everyone saying, "Guys, book your tickets now. I'll book a campsite now. We're going. We need to go and see the doctor." So to, to see this, I mean, we're already on track for, for for record numbers, which is great. But to have this news come in, and the attention it's going to open up, especially even for. A lot of people who didn't get to go to Phillip Island to see Valentino have his last MotoGP races. They're all saying we get a chance now to go and see him, and he's in, and he's at Bathurst. Like, it's it, it's a it's a it's a it's a, it's a you know motorsport enthusiast. It's absolute nirvana for everyone to go and see him. So, I mean, obviously now we've got to ramp up security to try to uh, protect protect him. It's going to yeah. be amazing. He's he's a he's a freak, and then. And the wonderful thing, his car's going to have the famous um, glow yellow 46 on the side of it, which is what he, a number he wore Beautiful. forever yeah. in, in his career. So 
it's a huge, huge play. We're, it's going to be a lot of merchandise at the event for all the fans that go and and uh, and, uh, and get that. And uh, yeah, it's it, yeah, we, we couldn't have asked for anything better than having having him here. Um, uh, if he wins, that's in that seven. That's a, that's a, a great story. But right now, I think he just wants to compete um, and and complete the the event for his for his team is the most important thing for him. Well, it certainly highlighted this this whole event right around the world. So there's no doubt that it not only locally, uh, domestically, I suppose, Australians going, but there'll be people coming from all around the world that they would have known about this this Bathurst track, the famous Mount Panorama, and and what's involved. So it, it is an absolute coup to to have that happening. Tell us a bit more about the race. How many cars are competing? Obviously, twelve hours is a, is a monumental. Uh, <laughs> And the teams that associated with it, there's, there's an amazing amount of work that needs to go behind this race. Yeah, it's, it is huge. So I guess the unique thing about this this event is um, on that Sunday, on the on the fifth of February, we start the race at five forty-five a.m. So it's it's pitch black. The dawn rises over the mountain. It is one of the most beautiful scenes you've ever you've ever seen. Um, and every race at five forty-five p.m. with gets towards a dusk. Um, it is anyone who's been there. It is it is unforgettable. It is unbelievable. The race itself. Um, it's before that we've got Friday and Saturday where we've got practice sessions um, and various other categories racing. We've also got a like a, virtually a motor show. If you remember the motor show back in when you used to go around Australia and Sydney and Melbourne, you had all the manufacturers displaying the new cars. We've got that at twelve hour. So all the manufacturers competing have cars on display. We've got a new EV area for for people to learn about the EV cars. Again, our cars on track won't be EVs in case anyone was going to wonder about that. <laughs> Uh, we've also got about a hundred collectible cars, and that ranges from Ferrari 40s to Jeeps, Jeeps on display, um, which is going to be a great spectacle there. Uh, we've got DJs performing, we've got uh, bars everywhere on the rooftop bar and all kinds of things. It's a uh, over the three days, it is a it's a massive spectacle, a lot of hard work behind the scenes to get this together. Um, and and um, I'll, I'll just a bit of a teaser. We've got some 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 massive news that'll be released this Wednesday morning. I can't say anything more than that at the moment, but it is on par with Valentino Rossi's announcement. Oh, you can't give... Is, is, can you give us a hint? I can't, unfortunately. Oh, I've signed too much paperwork to... Uh, okay. To do, oh, what, sounds... what you can do, everyone, jump onto bathurst12hour.com.au, keep up this date, follow our socials. Uh, 6am or so on uh, on oh. Wednesday, uh, it'll, all, it'll all be revealed. Um, but, again, a massive... It, it, it's... Uh, we. You know, we, we've had virtually six months to get this event together because we ran a compromised event in 22. Um, and it, it is uh, a lot, of, again, a lot of hard work, but we're really putting on a, a huge show uh, for, for, for people here. And again, as you mentioned before, international, I've had so many inquiries, um, especially on my LinkedIn and everywhere about people from the UK to US, Asia. They all want to come here for the event. And to see Rossi's a big thing, but they all want to, the mountain's been a, a bucket list item mm. for many people. And with COVID, no one could travel here to come and see it, uh, especially the 12 hour. It's, it's highly respected. It's one of the top three GT events on the planet. Um, and to get people to come here, everyone can fly now. Uh, visa restrictions are a lot less now. So, um, yeah, I mean, we've, we've already seen our, our campings. Uh, we've had to keep opening up more campsites, kicking <laughs> going through the roof. Corporate hospitality, we've never seen this, this record amount of attention on the event. So, again, I, I advise anyone who's keen to come, hurrying, especially um, before this news on Wednesday, because things are going to explode. Well, sounds like things are uh, going incredibly Positively, I've had to endure a couple of tough years like, you know, everyone putting on big events. So, Shane, well done on uh, the massive, massive announcement of bringing Valentino Rossi to town. And it sounds like Wednesday morning uh, there'll be more big news. So good luck with that and good luck with the event itself. Shane Rutsis, or Rutsis, sorry. Thanks for uh, joining us here on SEN.
Thank you, Josh, mate. Have a great day and, and pleasure to speak to everybody out there. Absolutely. Uh, that sounds like 6 a.m. Wednesday, Bros. 6 a.m. Wednesday, bathurst12hour.com.au. Yeah. We couldn't get much out of him, so it must be must be very must big be news. Big. Must be he big. Set on the same Let's level book him of, in for a call on Wednesday, Arvo, yeah. shall we? He's set on the same level of, as Valentino Rossi. So uh, sounds like it's going to be huge news. We'll get a quick break out of the way because on the other side, we've got a man jumping on, the captain of the Adelaide Strikers, Peter Siddle, who might be able to help us with our little uh, uh, selection issue as well. He's a man who probably spent a bit of time uh, in and out of the team and had a few of these types of meetings and conversations. So uh, we'll chat to Peter Siddle about that, but also about how his Adelaide strikers are going on the other side. Uh, hoping to chat to Peter Siddle in a moment, but uh, might be just caught up in some uh, Adelaide striker duties, some captaincy duties. Might be having a, in a, in a, a tough selection meeting himself on the back of the way uh, the strikers performed the other night. I've... Now, I must admit, NBL and NFL and uh, World Cup football, I haven't caught much BBL at 12. Yeah. What have I missed in the early stages? Well, the Strikers did, obviously did that number on the Thunder just a couple of nights ago. Bowled them out for 15, would you believe? And uh, I'm sure that Peter Siddle, he's fresh as a daisy. They were only out there for six overs in the Unbelievable. field. Unbelievable. So, in, in extraordinary situation. But Adelaide Strikers are on top of the table at the moment. They've won both their first couple of games, alongside the Renegades. Now, the Melbourne Renegades, it's a bit of a change in what they've been able to do. Aaron Finch batting in the middle order, and he's available all the time, all the way through, and uh, was part of an awesome run chase last night against the Thunder. So um, the, the Renegades going particularly well, and the Stars, from a Melbourne perspective, are one-on-one. And I guess the team that everyone is lining up and how they need to beat and how do you need to win the Big Bash, you've got to go through Perth. Mm. Perth Scorchers are absolutely outstanding. They've won their first game. They'll catch up on a few games now. So a few wobbly teams, the Sixers, I thought they'd be a bit better than this. They're 0-2. They're at the bottom of the table. But a team that's coached by Greg Shippard and uh, the experience of Moses Henriques as well, um, well, I'm sure they'll bounce back. And it is a long tournament. We all know that. It goes on forever, JJ, (laughs) this tournament. It goes on. Well past Christmas, it keeps mm. going. January, we go all the way past Australia Day, and then we start uh, seeing some some finals action. But it is a long tournament, so well, it, plenty of chances to turn it around. Uh, you mentioned the Scorchers, and I've got one here for you for 40, off the 40 Wings Temper Text. Get your unique bed match profile and find the right bed for you, 40 Wings, serious about sleep. Uh, Bryce, the Scorchers again showed they will be hard to beat, just as you said. <laughs> How is it they are so good with players that are not necessarily superstars? Aaron Hardy looks to be a beauty, though. Cheers from Big Al. Yeah, Big Al, you are spot on. Aaron Hardy is every bit of Cameron Green. He they, they went through everything together. Same age, best mates. Away they went all the way through WA and Cameron Green. I guess it accelerated where he is, but he is outstanding. Hardy is unbelievable. They're going to miss... miss Mitch Marsh, if I can put all that together in one <laughs> mouthful, um, they're gonna they're gonna miss him, but their depth and their talent and what they've been able to do so much so that when it came to the draft period, here are the best players from all around the world available to play the Big Bash round one, the highest profile players. The Scorchers went, no, nah, we'll pass. Yeah, we're happy with our team. Yeah, we, we we don't need to bring anyone in that's going to be better than what we've got. They've got depth. Um, look for Ashton Agar to dominate as well with bat the ball in the field, and his bowling is absolutely special. So he, he is another one of those Perth Scorcher players that is just 
uh, they've got this depth of talent that every team would have spent hours and hours in preparation. How do we beat them to go anywhere near winning this big bash title? Uh, just getting underway, BBL 12. The strikers are two and zip. The renegades are two and zip, and the sixes are zip and two. Uh, we'll get a quick break out of the way so we can try and get a hold of uh, the great P. Siddle. And uh, if we can, we'll ask him about uh, how his strikers at two and zip are faring. Uh, man, now he's going to join us. He played 67 tests. Matches for Australia. Now he's the captain of the Adelaide Strikers. And I'll tell you what, did his bowling lineup do some damage to the boys from Sydney a couple of nights ago? Peter Siddle, uh, you've been good enough to join us from a pretty happy camp over there at uh, the Strikers, I would imagine. Yeah, cheers, guys. Yeah, it's um, yeah, it's a happy place at the minute, but only early stages. But, yeah, happy with the first week of, week of games. Could you, could you believe what you were seeing out there on the uh, on the field the other night? No, not at all. It's yeah, you don't you, you don't you, and that stuff just never happens. It was like it's still surreal now thinking back about what it went on and how it all um all came about. But um yeah, very happy with the result. Um yeah, go again against them tomorrow night and see and see how we um how we match up again there. See, it's great to be catching up with you. Well done uh on the start. You guys are on top of the table, going really well. Your first win uh, was pretty impressive as well against the Sixers, and, and they're a highly regarded team in the Big Bash. You must be pleased with how your batters are going and a good inclusion there with Chris Lynn. You must be pleased with that, not only with the fact you don't have to bowl to him, but he's uh, he's pretty useful with a blade at the top of the order with uh, with the strikers, isn't he? Yeah, he is. I think, yeah, very happy with, you know, with the, the, the side that we've sort of assembled and, the depth we've got in the squad and I think yeah it's sort of shown in that first couple of games that um you know the additions are like you said um Linny and then uh, the two other overseas um as well as Rash but the two new overseas in um Colin de Grandhome and Adam Hose have been able to fit in nicely and contribute well um also so I think yeah it's it's a, a nice to see them doing well it's nice to see the side start off well because last year we didn't um and you know it was a lot of a lot of hard work had to be done at the back end but um yeah, lovely start. Sid, is that a, was that a focus uh, about getting a good start, putting your best foot forward, not trying to ease your way into the tournament, but to really get a hot start? Yeah, definitely. I think it, it, it's probably a good thing sort of coming up against the side. Like the Sixers' um, first game, we're lucky enough, it was at home, which is always um, a nice place to start. But, yeah, to come up against a good side like the Sixers and hit them at the start and see, and, and see where you're at. I think they're always a good sort of barometer of how your team's going coming up against them and um, yeah to start like that um, you know set us off on a, on a, on a good good note and then yeah the, then Sydney was just yeah it was just a different story I guess it's one of those games that'll probably never happen again and um, but yeah uh, it just topped off that week um, nicely. Uh, Pete you mentioned it yourself that you know whenever you play a team and, and really dominate them the next time you see them you expect them to be breathing fire and up for the fight, so that's a that's that's a challenge that your guys will have to bring to the table as well. That uh, you you can't expect uh, them to roll out and be bowled out for fifteen again. You've got to expect their absolute best. So you know you guys can't necessarily be asleep at the wheel either. Otherwise, you know last or the the performance from a couple of nights ago will count for for very little. No, that's right. I think that's the chat. That's you know to the boys. It's you sort of got to prepare for the worst. Uh, you know what the, what what they could throw at you and what what could happen. So, 
no, the boys are, the boys have been good. We had a nice session um, just earlier, and um, they know they're going to be up and about. I think that showed last night. They put in a, in a good batting performance against the Renegades, and then you know just fell short. So it was a um, tough, tight game. Um, so yeah, they'll be they'll be looking to bounce back now. They've had a couple of, of um, losses on the trot. That um, yeah, it'll be it'll be a different team that comes out for sure, and and we have to be prepared. What have you seen across the competition? Are you a a guy who who watches a, a bit of cricket if you can? What have you seen from 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 some of the other teams that's only early in the tournament? But any trends? The the batting teams dominating, the bowlers having their way a little bit more. What have you seen early days? No, nah, I'm the wrong person to be asking. Oh. I don't like watching cricket at the best of times. So. Oh, no. <laughs> I haven't really, haven't really been watching much. Um, yeah, I watch a little bit of tape and footage um, when we get get to play, like coming up against the team. But no, nah, I don't usually watch too much. I get uh, I get bored watching when we're, when I'm putting my own team's playing. So, <laughs> um, yeah, not not too much, but I still check the scores and stuff. Yep. But, yeah, it's been pretty even with bat and ball, I think. I think with the, the cooler weather we've had over the last couple of months um, has meant the wickets probably aren't quite as hard um, as, as they normally are this time for the start of the tournament. So, yeah, bowlers have definitely had a little bit um, more more um, luck and more on offer um, in the early stages. But, yeah, it looks like it's warming up around the country and definitely is here in Adelaide. So I'd be betting for a, um, a beautiful flat wicket uh, tomorrow night. And, um, you know... It should be a, it should be a tough game for the bowlers, I reckon. Yeah, no doubt about it. Look, we're going through talking about bowlers. We're going through who, who do we pick in the test team at the MCG? Mm. Interested? I'm the chief selector in here today. Uh, JJ appointed me, but uh, who would you go with, Sids? Um, we, we've come down to Hazelwood Bowling. Who do you reckon? Jeez, it's a tough one, isn't it? It's oh, you like, bet. You know, I'm going to have to sit on the fence. It's, it's <laughs> to say, Scott, Scott, Scotty's one of my good mates. I played a lot of cricket with him, and well, he's been outstanding. Outstanding, but you're talking about a guy that's also taken over 200 test wickets um, that is coming back from fitness. If I have to, you want me to choose one? I'm you saying bet. Scotty, yep. just for the, the fact that, you know, the extra the extra match and week could be uh, could be a blessing for, for Josh as well. So um, sides are tough ones to get over and it might, it might, be, might, might need that extra week. So let's go, Scotty. I like it, uh, Pete. Uh, sorry we've got to cut you off, but we've got to get to the news. Well done, to your uh, strikers, and we'll chat again soon. Welcome back to the run home with Josh Jenkins and Bryce McGain. Uh, just having a, a, a nice old time of things too, just to, to kick off our our opening a partnership. We're here for Robot Building Supplies. Robot's got it, and Berwick BMW Famous. Next day servicing available now, if you do not mind. Uh, and speaking of you, if you do not mind, a man who was on fire down in the Gippsland region, Terrelgan, yesterday. Uh, he obviously enjoyed the bus ride down and the hotel room and all those types of things. Was the captain of the Southeast Melbourne Phoenix, and that is Mitch Creek. He put up forty six points yesterday in an unbelievable performance. Mitch, well done on your game and well done on the win. Thank you. Appreciate it. Uh, unfortunately, we didn't get a bus ride down. We had to drive the car. I didn't get oh. a hotel. We oh. drove down the morning off. But I think that might be why a little bit of resilience helped the ball go in the hole, mate. Yeah, well, I uh, often, you know, playing in a in a foreign venue, I'm not – you probably have played there a couple of times. But sometimes, particularly for basketball players, that can be a little off-putting. But no issues for you. A career best 46, if you do not mind. 
Yeah, look, you, you never really go into a game and expect yourself to kind of play, you know, out your skin or, or have a game like that. It just kind of happens and some more gods kind of kick in and they say, hey, you know what, you've you put in a lot of hard work. Um, sometimes the ball goes your way, the calls go your way a little bit and, you know, you look up and someone goes, damn, he's got 30 and it's the third quarter or whatever else and you kind of have a bit of a laugh and then, you know, it goes to second overtime. Like, it was just a wild game all around, but obviously something that we, uh, you know, we win a game like that with a couple of our starters going out injured. Um, it's a hell of a game to win. So, we're just proud to be a part of it, but my game wasn't the only standout performance, so... It was a lot of positives taken from it. Mitch, it was an absolute epic. Obviously, you mentioned the overtime there. This is against top of the table, the reigning champs, the Kings. Is it something that you and the team set themselves for? This is the big challenge because it's make or break, really, in terms of the table. You're right in the mix. You're in fourth, but a loss there could have you know, put you back with the pack, but you've put that little break in fourth spot ahead of the rest. Is it something that you really set yourselves up for this big game? Um, to be honest, mate, not, not a whole bunch. We just take one game at a time and we're pretty analytic. Like we, we, we're database. Like we, we focus on one game at a time, one possession at a time, worrying about one half court defensive set and offensive set at a time. And then every time we come in, it's always just focusing about the now and what we can control. Not really worrying about, you know, finals, second place, third place, fourth place. I honestly couldn't tell you how many wins or losses we have. Um, I know at the moment we've got a few more wins than losses, which is great, but there's a lot of great teams out there, and this year it's going to be first and second go through to finals, and then obviously three to six playing the new play-in final kind of you know game they've got going on. So we know it's a hell of a job ahead of us. Um, there's a lot of great teams. Uh, I feel like Sydney are always going to be a powerhouse, but you know Cairns and New Zealand and have been stepping up and, and playing you know incredible basketball. But then you still have you know last year's runners-up in, in Tassie. You've got Melbourne United who are always strong and. You just keep going through every single team and you're like, there's no team that's not strong. So you've got to come out and and, and play your absolute tails off. Otherwise, you know, like we did Thursday against Melbourne United, we got our asses handed to us, uh, but we bounce back and we get a good double overtime win against Sydney. So we just have to prepare every game like it's our last and I think we'll be okay. Now, Mitch, I know how much of a competitor you are and you love to go against the best and you play as hard, if not harder than anyone else in the NBL, but... I guess a small, a small, small part of you would have been disappointed that you didn't get to go up against Xavier Cooks for the for the full forty, or in the end, uh, fifty minutes. Yeah. But you would have been disappointed that he wasn't out there because you know you you and he are the, the the top two forwards in the league, and you would have loved to have gone against him for the for the whole game. Yeah, look, I've got so much respect and, and, and admiration for for Zave. Um uh, the game started, he didn't look himself, even in warm-ups. I kind of watched the body language of certain people that I know I'm going to match up against. And he didn't look like his kind of, you know, jumpy athletic self. He didn't look as energetic and bubbly. And, and when the game started, he wasn't moving as efficiently. And I kind of said to the boys, like, let's go downhill, let's attack him. He's not moving right. Um, and then, unfortunately, you know, he goes off in the, I think, the start of the second quarter. And I see him walk behind the scorer's bench to the locker room, and that was it. And you know, he's, he's a superstar player of this league. He's an MVP caliber player uh, the last couple of years. And, you know, he's a talent this league is very lucky to have uh, in Australia. So while we have him in this league, we need to appreciate the greatness he brings. But at the same time, as a competitor, you want to go out and, as you said, play against him for all 50 minutes, um, go head-to-head and, and really duke it out. And I know after the game, I said to him, look, go back, get healthy. I'll see you in a couple of weeks. So, um, look, you know, I don't know if the results would have been any better or worse for you know, Walton, myself, or Cooks, but 
uh, I do know that we, we all go out there and, and have a real crack at it. And, and at the end of the day, we shake each other's hands. But, yeah, we've got so much respect for each other as, as people and as players. So it's a shame when their best player goes down because, you know, you want to play every team at 100% strength. Well, you touched on at the top that uh, you had your own challenges with the health. What's the sum up after the game for your squad and, and how that sits? Obviously, a big game coming up this Saturday against in Adelaide against the 36ers. What's the health of the squad? Well, we've actually got the new game added in this Wednesday. So we actually yes. Oh, yes. It was, yeah, it was thrown in last minute. So <laughs> it was a bit of a Merry Christmas, fellas. Have that bit of a present. Um, so we get on a flight. I know that the club's done a great job of organising travel and stuff with you know 24 hours notice. Um, Gary's pulled up with a bit of a calf injury. Um, Rowdy looks a little bit banged up through his hip. I'm not too sure what's going on there. Um, you got Alan Williams and Trey who both got fouled out in the game, uh, and Big Joe Cheese now going back uh, home for, for family reasons with the the COVID pandemic over in China and, and how severe that's actually turned. So um, you know we're down a few soldiers, but. You know, we saw the likes of someone like an Owen Foxwell step up and make absolutely enormous plays both ends of the court. Um, floaters, threes, defending Walton, who felt like he had 100 points. Um, but some of the defense that, that, that we showcased, and especially Foxy on Walton himself, was just incredible. Um, Ruben Tarangi coming in, making big shots and huge wall-up defense, just being solid, uh, which made Walton miss at the overtime. So... Look, mate, you know, we've we got guys down, but we've got guys stepping up. And I think we've got what it takes, you know, even with down a few guys to go in and take care of business no matter who we play against. So what, what does it look like for you? Quick, sort of, you probably, as a professional athlete, you've got your, your, your routines and you've got your week planned out. And then all of a sudden, the NBL throws another game at you. And clearly, over the past few years, you've learned to be adaptable and expect the unexpected. But... What does it look like for you? You played 47 minutes uh, yesterday. You play more minutes than anyone else. I imagine you're a bit banged up today. You've had to travel back as well. So I imagine you're a bit sore. So there won't be much happening for you from a physical point of view before your next match. Um, I actually felt incredible after the game. Um, I actually felt really good today. I went in down to Remedy Grounds, did some uh, some sauna. You know, you get in the, the plunge pools for about 20 minutes. You get on some of the beds and do some recovery. I got a massage tonight, but I actually had a promo today with the NBL um, for a little uh, special we're putting out in about a month, um, and we're actually doing a bunch of dunks. And then I had two of my good mates actually oh. come in, and they challenged me in some one-on-one. So it was first to oh. 11. We played four games, and I absolutely kicked their ass 44-2. to two. So, right. Marco and Billy, if you're listening, it was an absolute <laughs> whitewash. And absolute pleasure taking your money, fellas. So, um, look, I had a bit of fun today. Uh, relaxed. I didn't take anything too serious, but... As soon as someone says, hey, I want to play you one-on-one and some mate, and, you know, they, they throw a bit of money on the line and they get a bit competitive, um, I, can't, I can't turn around a, a, a good bout. So um, I had to kind of put them in their place today. But, look, yeah, I feel great. I'm super fit at the moment. I'm really healthy. My body feels incredible. I'm doing all the little things. I'm eating well. I'm getting lots of sleep and rest. And I'm in the best hands with the Southeast Melbourne Phoenix with all their recovery side and their, their physios. So... I'm well taken care of, mate. I'm, uh, I'm happy to be playing more games than I am training at the moment. So that's always a positive. Having said that, if you start to show a little bit of fatigue late in the fourth against Brisbane, well, no, it's because you've been playing on your off day, on your recovery day, you've been playing extra one-on-one. <laughs> <laughs> hey, if I have another 40-point game, you'll be praising it too. <laughs> you bet. No doubt about it. No <laughs> doubt about it. Um, so Joe Chi goes back to China and, 
you know, we understand, you know, the challenges that will be associated with that, both for he going home, but also for you guys, because he, he's meant a lot to you guys on the court. He's been such a talent and, and he brought such a profile to the team, but also off the court, very popular guy and, and someone who, who, as I said, brought a lot to the table not, uh, rather than just his ability on the court. So a big loss for you guys, but someone who you'll always be thankful and, and grateful that he was, you know, in a way brave enough to come out here and play for you guys. Yeah, and look, you know, I I just want to quickly say to to Wei Hao um, and to, to Joe and to Joe's family, you know, we, we're thinking about them. We love them. They're, they're a part of the Phoenix organization. And we said after the game, he told us and he was pretty emotional having a, to break the news. And it's obviously an extremely hard decision, but, you know, it, it's, it's something hard to say. But then the first thing I stood up and said was, mate, hey, family comes first. That's it. It's the, it's the number one rule for us and family first and that you take care of your home and your personal life so you can come out and, and be as good as you can be every single day. So we hope Joe goes home and, you know, takes care of his family and that gets under control over in China. And then we get to see him back maybe in finals, um, maybe next year, who knows when, but, you know, when it comes to family, mate, you know, there's no hesitation with our ball club, you know, we help you pack your bag. We, we push you on the flight and we say, get out of here, mate. Go and take care of business. So, you know, we love him. We love what he's done for the club. The fans love him. Um, I know he's always going to feel welcome and feel like he's at home here too. So I know when things are taken care of, he'll be back here. So, Mitch, obviously, and it's great insight you've given us there with, with family first. Uh, it's a busy part being a professional sportsman and you've got this extra game and you're playing on Christmas Eve. But what does Christmas hold for you coming up? Um, well, we actually, we play in Adelaide, as you said, Christmas Eve, and we actually fly home Christmas Day. So it'll be, uh, it'll be a mid-morning kind of uh, arrival. Uh, go home, probably throw some stuff in the washing real quick. And while that goes on for a couple of hours, I'll um, go around to, um, you know, some friends' places. My family's back in, in Horsham and, and spread out through New South Wales and Queensland. So go around to Bell's place, you know, invite some of the boys around. Uh, I know there's a few guys that are short of some family members as well in this state. So we'll invite them around, jump in the pool, um, you know, let their family take care of all of my friends as well. So um, look, it's, it, it's, a, it's a beautiful time um, to be around friends and family, but you've got to remember that there's so many people, you know, even in our friendship circles, not just, you know, Americans in our team and international players um, and even local guys, but, you know, they're, they're without people and they're without their family and their holiday time. And it's a very tough time for a lot of people. So, we got to make sure that we ask that question to see if someone's got something to do. If you're not sure, put your hand out and ask and be there for someone else because there's always times where we wish someone that was there for us in, in special times like this and special occasions. So it doesn't always hurt just to ask a friend or whoever it is uh, if they've got any plans and if not, to come and join and sincerely ask that because it's always nice to feel included. Uh, it's not a nice feeling to feel left out. So we want to try and do as much as we can with our half day and mm-hmm. then we're back on the training floor the following day. So short turnaround for us. Uh, well said. And we're speaking to Mitch Creek, superstar MVP candidate, if you don't mind, from the Southeast Melbourne Phoenix. Mitch, I want to ask you about, uh, you've been over there and you, you've, you've, you've tasted the NBA and no one can ever take that away from you. I think I've heard you say that, that you've, you know, you've, 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 you've done that. Is the NBA something that still nibbles away at you? Does the phone ring across the globe with different opportunities? We see Jack White, who, who's a similar player to, to you. You're probably able to put the ball in the hole in a few different ways, but is the NBA something that just niggles away at you still or not? Um, look, 
it's one of those things. My agent um, and agents at Mogul Sports are incredible. They do an incredible job with me, putting me in successful positions on and off the court. Um, and look, they're always talking to teams. But the thing is, uh, everyone's contract is structured a little bit differently. Um, mine is that or so that I need a guaranteed, you know, full contract to get out of my contract here at Southeast Melbourne. Um, you know, it, it's too big of a, a burden to just say halfway through the season, hey, Southeast, appreciate everything. I've been kicking butt, but I've got to go right now and, and go for a 10-day contract yeah. and then leave them in a hole. So it's a little unfair. So we have a, a very good agreement. Um, you know, we're very open with our communication. Um, Tommy and the ownership and the coaching staff are incredible there. Um, they, they're very, very well-versed well with, you know, what that looks like as an opportunity. But as soon as the season finishes this year, we actually finish on time. The last couple of years, we've always finished kind of April and beyond. And then by then, once our NBL season finishes, there's no time to go and do 10 days or, or sign in the NBA. So now that we actually have an early finish, there is that opportunity to go over there. It's always another dream to go back over there. I think I've developed a lot since then um, in my time. Um, but look, in saying that, um, I'm just trying to help the next generation and people, um, even now professionals, take that chance for themselves, go and do a summer league, go and do a, a training camp, go and do some G League, just get your toe in the water, put your hand up, put your, put your name in the, in the pile of names, you know, in, in the hat, and just see if it gets picked out. Because if you don't put yourself in there, you can't get picked. And if you don't back yourself, you're never going to get there. But at least if you give it a crack and you fall short, you, you know you've given it a, a solid effort. But you don't want to sit at home when you're 70 years old in your rocking chair going, oh, I could have been this, I could have been that. Well, I know I was an NBA player. I got selected. I got to run on the court. And um, I got to kind of say, you know, suck on that to all the people that doubted me. And I kind of got to say to my family, thank you. You know, a real personal thank you to say, you sacrificed so much for me for so long so I could have this opportunity. And it came to fruition. And that's what it's all about. And that's what I urge everyone to do, no matter whether you're a sportsman or woman, you know, young or old, in business or in life, just go and give it a crack because you never know where you can land. Well said, Mitch. Uh, Well said. Uh, We'll let you go because you've got to get ready for... Uh, well, firstly, a flight to Brisbane and then a game against the Bullets on Wednesday night, one that you didn't know was on the schedule, but there you go. There it is, Christmas present, as you said, and then a Christmas Eve game against the 36ers. So plenty of travel for you guys. Uh, you're a little shorthanded. I imagine your number's going to be called a fair bit. I wouldn't be looking to the bench over the next couple of games, but thanks for joining <laughs> us and uh, good luck for uh, the remainder of the season. I'm sure we'll speak to you again soon on SEN. Thanks, Legend. Appreciate it. There's Mitch Creek, the superstar from the Southeast Melbourne Phoenix. And he has developed into a genuine superstar and someone that NBA teams would have to be just keeping an eye on. Oh, indeed. Have to. He mentioned just for those short-term contracts, but maybe there's something a little bit more extended than that as well. But uh, no, he's doing the job for South southeast melbourne and uh well hopefully he can continue to do that because they they do sound a bit beat up they their are squad. yeah so ryan brockoff's got a groin issue gary brown uh mitch said has got a bit of a calf strain as well and and, and joe chi goes back to china so we're thinking of him and thank him for everything everything that he did our victorian listeners here on sen they're going off to sports day but we're not going anywhere. We're just going to hang around. We're staying with our Sydney listeners and our Brisbane and Gold Coast listeners. So uh, hang in there. Plenty more uh, of Josh Jenkins and Bryce McGain after this. It's been good fun thus far. Half yeah. an hour to go. Sound good to you? Yeah, sounds good. Uh, you up for a plain centre for the for the Phoenix? Oh, sounds like it. I think I'd rather sit here with you. <laughs> uh, sports, ba- sports Day is next.